The life of St Dunstan, written in around 1000, describes a scandalous incident that took place at the coronation of King Jadwig in 956. According to the anonymous author of this saint's life, the teenage Jadwig suddenly rushed out of his coronation ceremony after he had been anointed and crowned. Archbishop Erder ordered for Jadwig to be found, and he was discovered by Abbot Dunstan cavorting with two women, a mother and her adult daughter, quote, as if they were wallowing in a revolting pigsty. His crown had been tossed on the ground, and after Dunstan had told the women off, he picked up the crown and placed it back on Eadwig's head and marched him back to his coronation feast. The text names the mother as the noblewoman Athel Gifu and says that she and her daughter sought for the king to marry one of them. Comparing her to Jezebel, it says that after the incident at the coronation ceremony, Athel Gifu worked against Abbot Dunstan, using her influence with the king to get him sent into exile. From charter evidence, we know that in 956, Eadwig was married to a woman named Elf Gifu, whose mother was a noblewoman called Athel Gifu. We might therefore infer from the saint's life that it was these women who were accused of having a menage a trois with Eadwig at his coronation. Although this story is amusingly scandalous, it is worth exploring what motives there might be to embroil King Eadwig and these women in scandal decades later. In the last edition of Alfgif Hu, we looked at Eadgifu, a dowager queen and King Eadwig's grandmother, who was close to Dunstan and who was dispossessed of her land and wealth by the king at the same time as Dunstan was exiled. After Eadwig died in 959, his younger brother Edgar restored the positions of both his grandmother Eadgifu and Abbot Dunstan. From these events, it seems clear that two rival factions existed, supporters of Eadwig and supporters of Edgar. Edgar went on to reign until 975, and during this time Dunstan was promoted to bishop and then archbishop, his influence in ecclesiastical politics leading to his sainthood. It is easy to imagine that during Edgar's reign a substantial rewriting of history took place that maligned the losing faction and led to a story being constructed that glorifies Dunstan as the hero as he chastises the debauched women and sends the shameful king back to face his nobles and clergy. Alfgifu and Athelgifu have thus been vilified in the historical record, becoming maligned symbols for Eadwig's immorality and Dunstan's saintliness. This retrospective rewriting of history during Edgar's reign makes it difficult to write the biographies of either Alfgifu or her mother Athelgifu. Little is known of their background, though Eadwig's marriage to Alfgifu before his coronation may indicate that she came from a powerful family that helped him secure power. That she is associated with her mother Athelgifu in the sources, as opposed to her father, indicates that this influence was from her maternal family. In 958, Archbishop Oda dissolved the marriage of Eadwig and Alfgifu on the grounds of consanguinity being blood-related. This may have been a distant relation that was leveraged to dissolve the marriage during a time in which power was moving in favour of Eadwig's brother and rival Edgar, 
who was accepted as King of Mercia in this year. It seems Alfgifu was exiled for a short time at this point, indicating her capacity to be a political problem. She seems to have returned to England by the 960s, and her name was included in the 966 Newminster Winchester Refoundation Charter. Between 966 and 975, Alfgifu died and left a will. This will leaves a large amount of land to the king, and it is unknown if this was her own land inherited from her family, or land she was given while queen. The death duty paid to the king on her death was the largest of any surviving 10th century will. She was buried at Winchester alongside her former husband, Iadwig. The noblewoman Athelgifu and her daughter, Queen Alfgifu, are two of many examples of influential women who ended up on the wrong side of history. Dunstan's hagiographer reduced these two powerful women to sexual objects that exist purely to reflect the morality of the men around them. Paradoxically, that they were so diminished in this misogynistic anecdote of sexual debauchery only speaks to their actual influence and the threat they once posed. <laughs>